to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome, everybody. Lots to get to in this particular episode. Uh, I want to start this particular episode, though, uh, commenting on this Michigan school shooting that took place and uh, just kind of running through that kind of quickly, but um, a number of anomalies throughout this entire thing. First of all, I want to preface this by by basically saying this. As soon as something like that happens in the news and the news immediately starts commenting on it, um, in particular when it's their lead story, no matter what else is going on in the world, uh, because again, the Ghislaine Maxwell trial is is going on and they don't want to cover that. So wouldn't you know it, a school shooting pops up yet again. Here's the thing. The approach that I take with this is a very open-minded approach regarding all possible angles. And having done a lot of research on this particular subject, and including, I mean, school violence is my lane. If I was to pick a singular lane to, to be in on a consistent basis, it is violence in school buildings and within school districts and environments such as that. I've written numerous books on it. I'm... Uh, far more qualified than, say, Shepard Smith or these other losers on television who are just haphazardly making comments, including all of these ridiculous detectives that are out there making comments as well. Um, The first thing is this. The approach that I take, again, is uh, some might call it heartless, but I I really, I don't view it that way. I take the approach that if I wasn't there, then I can't prove anything. If I haven't seen the evidence personally, then I can't prove anything, because all we're doing then is relying on the words and the actions and uh, the visualization of what the TV is showing us, and I don't believe that. So I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I'm certain it happened, but I would also like to see the evidence. Um, They kept the identity of the individual quiet for quite some time. Uh, his last name is Crumbly now. What's interesting about this too is, is that it doesn't fit the mainstream media's, um, oh, I don't know. It doesn't fit their comfort zone, which is what they would want. What they would want is a white student killing black students with an AR-15. That's what they would really want. And again, their word usage and the way that they, uh, the way that they just kind of play it all out, is so overdramatic and and everything else that their coverage of of again an alleged killing, which I do believe people died here, but that it is beyond disgusting. In fact, it's more disgusting than the act itself, which is odd. Um, and I don't mean that to sound heartless. I'm just saying that. Their over their over dramatization um, of, of situations like this is disgusting, Be- because again they almost have an excitement about them, which is again disgusting. So as soon as this happened, I listened to a piece of audio again coming from one of their local police officers, who again was at the front of the mics and thrust to the front and immediately commenting on it. I'm going to play this audio right now, and I want you to pick up on something that he said, which I think is interesting. Again, I'm not discounting the fact that people died here. Apparently, it's four individuals. Um, but uh, just listen to what this guy says and see if you can't catch it, and then I'll comment on the other end. 
Tim, was this a student? Yes, it's a 15-year-old student who was a sophomore at the high school. As he said before he invoked an uh, attorney, did he say anything about what precipitated this? Uh, I'm not going to get into that. Okay. Was there any warning, Mike, ahead of time? Was there any messaging? Did he put out anything? That's all under investigation at this time. We have uh, literally probably 100 different uh, detectives and support out here right now. We're going to talk to everybody. We're going to go through everything. But at this point in time, I can't tell you that we have that or we don't have that. Any reason to believe the initial victims were targeted directly or was it? Don't know at this point in time. Still under investigation. Did you catch it? 100 different detectives. 100? Does a school shooting really require 100 different detectives? Including, I might add, the FBI. Now, what was odd about that particular statement, that immediately sent up a huge red flag for me. I thought, no, no school shooting requires 100 detectives. It's a local matter. It's a local matter. It's not federal. Um, why is the FBI all of a sudden involved and why 100 detectives? And then my second thought was this. Not only did Gretchen Whitmer show up, the satanic governor of that state, but with her and uh, allegedly crying and it's every parent's worst nightmare. Okay, look, why didn't she do this with the voter fraud in Michigan in 2020? Why didn't you have 100 detectives and the FBI on that? It just, I mean, it's beyond obvious to me. The, the, you can see where their interest is. Their interest is not in free and fair elections. Their interest is in the sensationalizing, so to speak, of such shootings and making sure to get everybody on scene commenting on such a specified local matter. Yes, it's horrible, but at the same time, the response to it is what gives away who the enemy really is here. Um, it's just temple rubbing mad. And then, of course, you might expect the, the question started to roll in about whether or not the crumbly kid had been bullied or not. And his social media account showed, allegedly, um, posts about Satanism and demonic posts, and then a post about him buying a gun recently, or uh, his father purchasing him a gun, a Sig Sauer nine millimeter, wh whatever it was. the The point is, is that they always love a crisis, and 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 the media and the politicians and the satanic powers that be here will love to use even this opportunity, even though it doesn't fit all their checkboxes and their hallmarks of a perfect crime, so to speak, that they could capitalize on. Again, white student, black victims, AR-15. It's a younger white student. Um, Similar-aged white students uh, were, were the victims, and then, of course, a handgun. That doesn't mean that, that that won't stop these politicians from going after handguns. But that's that's kind of my take on this. Um, it may not be a very in-depth take, and I didn't I didn't even bust in with an earlier episode about this about the subject because I wanted to see what actually came out and what information uh, you know started to roll out. But I found it interesting again that they kept the identity of the kid 
quiet for at least a couple of days. Um, and then you immediately found out the, the you know, basically the day after the identity of of the victim, so to speak. But uh, apparently, a teacher was wounded in the process as well. And I don't know. There you go. But I wanted to read this anonymous post too because again, this is interesting. And moments like this again are, are certainly teachable moments. I think because we have to take a look at the bigger picture almost every single time. And unfortunately, it's these kinds of events, whether they're staged or not, is that it always creates this ridiculous public school response that takes place in American K-12 schools. The entire reasoning for all of the lockdowns and and this, that, and the other, of course, stemmed from the quote-unquote Virginia Tech shooting that happened all those years ago. I was a school teacher actually eating my lunch in my classroom when I was watching that on television allegedly play out. I'm using the word allegedly because, again, I was not there. I do not know that that particular Asian student shot up anybody. I don't know that. I don't have any proof of it whatsoever. Um, I'm sorry. Again, I don't want that to sound heartless, but no one can say that they know everything that happened if they themselves weren't there. So I'm actually just admitting the truth. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened, but I do know what the response was after the fact. And what happened when we were school teachers, when I was a school teacher after the fact, were immediate emails pouring through everybody's inboxes about new procedures, new policies. We have to have new code red drills and new this and new that. Um, quick story. And again, I'm just one person, so there's no way that this only happened to me. But I actually caught the administration in the building that I worked in at the time, the middle school where I worked in at the time, basically not following their own rules on their own designed code red drills for such an incident. Um, they they didn't tell us exactly what we needed to do and and what had to happen in XYZ. They didn't tell us a play-by-play of all of the places where we had to go. And, you know, then we have to get on email. We have to email the head secretary to make sure that everybody's alive and everybody's counted for. I mean, it's insane. Um, so what ended up happening on this one particular day was they decided to have a random code red drill. Again, this was same building after the uh, alleged Virginia Tech University shooting. And then as soon as that happened, uh, the students immediately kind of started to panic. And I'll never forget one one particular student. Um, she she really panicked and she started to cry. And I looked at her and I said, it's a drill. I just looked at her and said, this is a drill. This is not real. I said, it's a drill. It's okay. But she was crying. Um, and, and her friends were trying to console her. And I was like, what, what, did you not hear what I just said? I said, it's fake. I said, it's just a fake drill. No one's going to get hurt. Everything is fine. So I walked over to my computer. I answered the email I was supposed to, and then I replied back. I said, yeah, everybody's fine. I've got a student in my class who's crying because they think that this is real. This is not real. And she replied back, yeah, it's a drill. And I said, thank you. And, you know, that was it. And then there was a knock on my door, and a voice on the other end of the door said, go ahead and open up, you know, go ahead and open up. And I did, and I opened up the door. Now, what was happening was, is I was being set up. The, the assistant administrator of the school building, um, for lack of a better phrase, was just an old asshole. Um, and if he's still alive, he's probably a jabbed asshole. So whatever. But he, he had a resource officer next to him 
And I opened up the door because he said, open up the door. And I knew it was a drill. I opened up the door, which was locked on the outside. I opened up the door. And as soon as I opened it, he started yelling at me about why I opened up the door. And, I, and he was doing this in front of my students. And I said, it's a drill. He goes, yeah, but it says in the procedures that you're not supposed to open up the door. And if we knock on the door and we say that we're the police, maybe we're not. Maybe we're armed. And he starts doing all of this. And he's making an example out of me, apparently. But it wasn't in their procedures is the point. They just thought that making examples out of people and that doing that, creating a scene in a fake scenario that isn't real, um, is a healthy way to go about things. They since changed their policies over the course of time. And yeah, we had maybe a few other of those drills, uh, you know, as the years passed on, but they were so few and far between that it, 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 I mean, it hardly ever happened after that. Point being is that the K-12 response to such drills is ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. Was this student bullied in this school? You bet your ass he was, 100%. High school is a nightmare for most people, in particular now, with the mask wearing and the, you know, all of it. It's a nightmare. And I couldn't tell in this school if masks were being worn or not. Um, there was, a, again, alleged footage inside of one of the classrooms where this was apparently taking place, but I would love to see the security footage, not because I want to watch other people get killed. That's not my prerogative. I just like to see evidence. I just want to see evidence. And again, I don't, I don't care for this approach either. When people either online or in the media will say, we're not going to show the victim's face. Notice, notice that particular issue in itself. I find that issue to be very interesting as well because they can't even decide on that action on a shoot-in, shoot-out basis, regardless of the scenario. Sometimes they love showing the face of the person, and then other times you'll hear them say, we're not going to show the face of the person because we don't want to glamorize who they are and give them a platform and a stage and blah, blah, blah. What platform and stage do they have? They're in shackles. They're going to be tried for murder. This particular kid's 15, and he's going to be tried as an adult. Uh, and he's being tried as a terrorist. Again, I'm not justifying any killing. I'm simply saying it seems a bit extreme, no? Normally, it would just be murder. You're being charged with murder. Okay, great. And if you want to charge him as an adult or not, I, I, I mean, what's the difference? I, I don't know what the difference is. Would they actually put a 15-year-old on death row? It, it doesn't make much sense. So... Again, the laws all are basically all over the place, regardless of, uh, yeah, they're just all over the place from state to state. And again, they love piling on more charges. If it was a black kid, they just, they just said he's being charged with a hate crime. Uh, you know, if there, was a, if there was a black victim is my point. So they just love finding anything that they can find to further divide and marginalize and categorize even the person who's blatantly guilty of a crime. I did want to read now this anonymous post here. Sorry for my little rant there, but uh, this came from Great Awakening. And, I, and again, it's, it's worth reading because asking questions about such events needs to take place. But there are also consistent patterns with these alleged shooters. And one of them is that most of them have been institutionalized at one point or another. And apparently this kid was recently. 
which again is a red flag. Uh, it's titled the following. It says this, Info about the school shooting in Oxford, Michigan. Four have now, very unfortunately, died. The football player, Tate, was a hero. But some things to point out that make this story extremely infuriating. This could have been prevented. The school, law enforcement, parents are at fault more in the comments. And then the author posted this in the comments section. They said, quote, The 15-year-old shooter was known for getting bullied. Odd thing is, in the local news, the police officer made a statement that the school had told them that there was no past record of him being bullied. The school has been well known for ignoring bullying that occurs there, which happens a lot. I'm going to jump in here real quick before I read these last two paragraphs. And I've been over this too in the past, but the business of deleting referrals when it comes to students being bullied in a school environment is common practice in American K-12 schools. Deleting evidence of assault and battery is a common practice in American K-12 schools. I mean, I, I can't say it enough. It just is. It's one of the first things that they do. They will delete, administrators will delete, and it's usually the assistant administrators are typically in charge of discipline. They will delete referrals the moment that they are written and, and plugged into the computer, and they are almost always now digital. So there, there's, a, there's a paper trail of this, which is why I've always recommended that if any teacher ever fills out a, um, a discipline referral, that they take screenshots of all of their discipline referrals. Because again, they will be manipulated in most cases, or if not just flat out deleted by administrators. That happens again with regularity. The other thing that will happen in sort of in the in the middle of all of that exchange is after a discipline referral is written, primarily one of the first things that will happen, in particular in schools that want to keep their quote unquote discipline numbers low or low for minority students, but higher for white students, or however they want to paint their picture is they will immediately approach the uh, the teacher in an effort to talk the teacher down about what had happened and whether or not there's another solution. If a verbal agreement gets made between the administrator and the teacher and they come to some kind of terms, that discipline referral that was written and submitted digitally over the computer gets deleted. They, they just don't keep it anymore because it's as, if they're, it's as if the administrator is saying, we don't need this anymore because we had a verbal agreement on how to handle this, so we'll keep this off the books. It's complete and utter bullshit, and it needs to, I mean, it, it, it should never exist. It's completely unethical, um, which is why teachers should stick to their guns, so to speak, when it comes to writing a referral. Don't back down from it. Make it honest. Make it as detailed as humanly possible. Take screenshots of it. Keep it. It's called evidence. Again, assault and battery is a is a felony. It's a crime. More 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 K twelve students should be charged with felonies. As far as I'm concerned, I'm I'm shocked it doesn't happen more. And I wish more parents would would charge the uh, the assaulting and and battering individual. Uh, you know, with actual criminal crimes when their own child has been hurt or damaged as a result. Um, yeah. So it, my point is, is again, the deleting of referrals is not new. 
And that happens all of the time. So this business of this school saying, well, we didn't have any record. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. You have video record because the entire building is filled with, with I mean, it's filled with cameras. There are cameras everywhere in a, in a school building. There are cell phones everywhere. People, the, the line of people who knew that this kid was being bullied is longer than the line of people who didn't. There are a lot of eyes in that building. So there you go. Uh, second paragraph, here we go. It says, quote, he had been in a mental ward for a week in the past because he went off the rails before. He had made multiple threats to, to the school and certain individuals. He even had a countdown clock on his social media counting down the days before this attack occurred. Some students even knew about it. But instead of telling local authorities, they stayed home that day. Also, given his mental instability, he had just turned 15 and his dad bought him a gun. Why would a parent do that when their son had been into a mental ward in the past? No kidding. Final paragraph says, So while the media focuses solely on the gun, as usual, these are all the facts that are left out on purpose that allowed the shooting to even occur. The mass, sh the mass shooting, this mass shooting rather, could have and should have been prevented. The red flags were all there. My question is, given with all that's happening, happened, they, uh, did they allow for this 15-year-old to do what he did on purpose for a distraction and or push for gun control? I kind of think so, unquote. That's my point. That, that's why I wanted to read this anonymous post. Again, I didn't write this, but it is on point. It's perfect. It is a perfect explanation. Yes, all the all the uh, all the signs were there. Again, they even said. I mean, they even had the stones. I mean, they're not even thinking about what the, what the words that are coming out of their mouths. These these quote unquote police officers and detectives and whoever is you know on the scene. They actually admitted that it took the police four to five minutes to get there. Four to five minutes. Have you seen pictures of this high school? It looks like an NBA stadium. It's enormous. It's a big it's a big joint. And the fact is is that there should be at least two resource officers for a school that size, at least. And you don't have school resources there because of the skin color of the students who are there. You should have resource officers there because there are a large number of human beings there. That's the point. But again, why would it take Four to five minutes for police to show up. Where were the resource officers? Were they hitting on the secretaries like most of them do on a regular basis? Were they sitting around eating lunch doing nothing? What were they doing? And yes, I have witnessed that. Again, I've spoken on the resource officers in the past in schools. Some of them are Barney Fifes and they, you know, they're out there trying to prove a point. Um, some of them are there again, just to hit on the female staff or the male staff, depending on again, the proclivity of the individual. And then other times they actually roam the hallways like they're supposed to. Um, that's their job, but in many cases they don't do their job. They, they view, uh, the school environment as being remarkably safe. They think that their sole presence is making the place safer. That's not true. Um, and yeah, so. I don't know. I don't know how to end this other than people need to dig and start thinking a little bit bigger about 
how these things occur, why they happen. Again, was this an MK Ultra kid? Was this a kid that uh, found his way into a mental institution, had some things, you know, sort of told to him while he was there? And I, I don't know. But again, why would a dad buy a kid a gun um, after he had been institutionalized? It just, I don't know. There's just too many red flags with this particular thing. So yeah, the writing was on the wall. The evidence was is overwhelming that there was a lot of negligence here. And again, there was another report out there that said, well, they might be charging the dad with uh, not keeping the gun, um, you know, tucked away, away from the, their son's reach and whatever. The kid's 15. If he wants to get to a gun, he can get to a gun. So guns don't kill people, people kill people. And if people don't do the right thing after seeing things online that need to be reported to all parties, local police, local school district, you name it, keep that paper trail, take all the screenshots of all of those things that you possibly can, and then again, you know, you're at least covering yourself when it comes to, well, we didn't, we didn't see anything coming. Bullshit. Again, the evidence was overwhelming here. So there you go. Michigan school shooting. Uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, but don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, it's a healthy environment. You know, they'll always promise you that. Everything's fine here. And then uh, it's just exhausting. And then what they'll do is this. And I, I know it sounds cynical with this, but it's just, it's lockstep with all of their moves on what they do with a school shooting. Somebody will plant a tree. Someone will create a statue. Uh, you know, they'll do something. And, and then they'll make the entire school building about that shooting. Not to mention, if it was anything like the old Sandy hoax, why aren't they burning the school to the ground? I mean, seriously, why, why aren't they bulldozing the school like they did in, in Sandy Hook? I thought that's what you were supposed to do when, uh, when a school shooting took place and, a, and there were a bunch of dead people, right? You're supposed to get rid of all of the evidence within 48 hours and, and bulldoze the entire school to the ground. Don't get me started on Sandy Hook again. Okay. Anyway, uh, a few other topics here, more than a few, actually. This next one, and again, also interesting and uh, slight tilt toward the jab news here again. Um, more and more water main breaks are occurring, which I find interesting. Now, I know it is the season for water main breaks with colder weather and whatnot, but can you think of a better excuse to cover up the fact that you've got sick teachers and dead teachers as a result of the jabs and the boosters and what have you to simply say, well, we have a water main break? Um, you know, the electricity has gone out in our school. We have to cancel for a week. Keep your eyes on that one, ladies and gentlemen. Keep your eyes and ears on that one because more and more schools are going to use those as excuses because, again, they're going to have endless staff members that are sick uh, and falling ill as a result of the jabs, and it's continuing to happen on a regular basis. The video evidence is overwhelming. The written evidence is overwhelming. Speaking of written evidence, it's the uh, FDA now is, is uh, based on a judge's ruling, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and it's horrific reading because I'm starting to read this now piece by piece, and it's awful. And I'm not going to read every single document, of course. That would be next to impossible um, and horrifically repetitive. But 
the FDA, as a result of a judge's ruling, has released and is releasing these Pfizer jab documents reporting all of the ill effects from the jabs. Everything from, again, the uh, the late-term, quote-unquote, accidental abortions to the skin rashes, to the cancers, to um, the neurological damage, the paralysis, and the deaths. And so now the FDA is going to be releasing 500 documents a month regarding the Pfizer jabs. Funny how we didn't hear about that in the news either. And funny how that's not being mentioned in the slightest. So there's that piece of news as well. In the exact same vein, here's another article which was tossed my way. Thank you for tossing it my way. Uh, this comes from fox2now.com. It says, data shows two-thirds of Missouri public universities colleges saw sharp enrollment drops in 2021. Hmm. Why would that be? Why would it be that less people are going to public school, public universities, and public colleges? Two-thirds of the universities saw a sharp enrollment drop. It says university reps as fewer students choosing college after high school entering workforce. No kidding. Says the Missouri Department of Higher Education and Workforce Development, DHEWD, released data last week showing enrollment at 67% of the state's public colleges and universities dropped this fall. Interviews with representatives from higher education institutions revealed the problem is more than the pandemic, with some pointing to shifting demographics and changing economy, rising costs, and tuition, and more. No, no, no. That's not it. That's not it. It's, I'll tell you what, here's another thing. And this is one of the things that Vanessa Hurst, uh, when she was a guest on the podcast, aptly pointed out on a, on, a, on a consistent basis, is that using demographic shifts as an excuse for lower enrollment or closing down schools is a is just a it's a uh, blah, blah, blah. it's it's a common excuse that gets used among K twelve and higher ed, and they're just throwing up again uh, spaghetti noodles to see if they stick, and that's one of the noodles that they always throw. Oh oh, they're asking too many questions. Grab that noodle and throw it up against a wall. Yes, demographics, of course. That's it. Yes yes yes, demographic changes. Um, well you know uh. More people are unemployed today. Yeah, there's another noodle. Bang. And then they throw that and see if it sticks. Uh, you know, families have less money. Uh, divorce rates are higher. Uh, you know, they, they they don't want to go to college because of high tuition. Yeah, throw the tuition noodle up against the wall and see if that sticks. All of these are excuses. It's the jabs. It's the jabs. It's the abuse. It's the indoctrination. They never want to blame it on the intellect of the everyday American. They don't want to do that. They never want to say, well, as it turns out, ladies and gentlemen, here at the University of We Don't Care About Anybody, uh, people aren't showing up because we are demanding that they jab themselves twice, if not three times, with a deadly poison, that even if they do so and they don't die, they're still going to have to wear a mask. We probably won't accept their medical exemptions or religious exemptions because we don't believe in medicine or religion. We're godless human beings. 
And uh, what we're offering here is a full-blown brainwashing operation that's going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of four to five years. And then you'll be, uh, you know, mounded with oodles of debt well into the workforce, and you'll probably never get out of it. That's what you will never hear them say. They'll never say that. They'll never tell you that because, again, they think that we are stupid. They think we're dumb. And unfortunately, a lot of people are. But there you go. I'm going to keep reading this here because, again, it's, um, it's telling. It says, quote, Two years of the three-year period in question have been during the global pandemic. See, there's the other noodle. I'll grab the pandemic noodle. Yes, we'll, we'll blame everything on that from now until forever. Grab it and see if it sticks. Oh shit, it didn't stick. Well, throw it anyway. Um, said Kent Heyer, spokesperson for Missouri Western State University in St. Joseph, said in an email, Quote, the young adults who have graduated high school in the last two years have done so amid greater uncertainty than any recent graduating classes. <laughs> These people are nuts. They're nuts. All the excuses. Oh, reading this is hard. This is hard. And it says, again, continuing, quote, and many have been reluctant to commit to continuing their education until more of that uncertainty is resolved. So now they're blaming uncertainty. Life is uncertain. Does that mean that you just don't do anything? For the love of God. It continues. The enrollment exodus. Yes. It's beautiful. I like it, frankly. Um, it says, quote, Missouri institutions' enrollment figures have steadily dropped since 2016 with 246,999 students enrolled in a public university or college five years ago to 211,176 students enrolled this year, nearly a 15.6% difference. That also equates, ladies and gentlemen, to money. They're losing that much money, and that's a ton of money. That's a ton of money to lose. And frankly, they don't deserve it, so they shouldn't have it. It continues, four-year uh, four public university enrollment figures decreased by 4% between fall of 2020 and fall of 2021, from 137,464 students to 136,957, whereas two-year public college enrollment dropped by 8.6% during that same time, from 75,465 students to 74,219 students by 2021. Nice little fall off there. Aside from the fact that Missouri's high school population is declining, uh, which Jessica Duran, assistant commissioner at the DHEWD, says resulted in fewer college applicants, the cost of college has risen 169% since the 1980s but the average salary among young adults only rose 20%. According to a recent survey of high schoolers conducted by ECMC Group, a nonprofit aimed at helping student borrowers, the likelihood of attending a four-year school dropped roughly 20% in the past year and a half, with soaring tuition costs and student loan debt raised as the number one concern among young people. I'm going to stop it there. Uh, yeah, no kidding. 
It's a great article, though. Lots of cool stats um, and just a massive cover-up. Not the jab. They're never going to blame that. They're never going to blame, again, the intellect of Americans and figuring out what's going on in these, you know, these institutions. They're never going to do that. It's always going to be uncertainty, uncertainty, higher costs, demographics, and more uncertainty. It's pathetic. They can't come up with a they can't come up with a truthful excuse. These people, I got, you know, I know I sound agitated here, and rightfully so, I think, at this point. I think I deserve it. Um although I, I want to end on a positive note here, which I will, I promise. Well, they're just pathological liars. That's all I'm trying to say. They're pathological liars. They cannot tell the truth. They won't tell the truth. Don't expect them to tell the truth. It's just what they do. They lie for a living. They're bad at it, but they're also insulated, and they know that they can lie and get away with it because they will keep their jobs, and the only way that they typically lose their jobs, again, is either because they've done something that's sexually related, and I'm talking about like university presidents and you know the people that, uh, that run the show. If someone's murdered on their campus and they cover it up or... Um, you know, the very individuals themselves who are giving these statements and these public statements are actually guilty of a serious crime. Other than that, they're, they're too well insulated. They'll just remain. They'll just remain. I mean, look at the Joe Paterno thing. Remember all of that at Penn State? All that Joe Paterno Penn State stuff and how they kept that as quiet as they possibly could for a very, very long time. Decades. Dating back to the 70s. If not sooner than that, decades and decades and decades of crime. So if you think uh, the Penn State thing was just Penn State, I assure you that is not the case. Okay, now, shifting gears here slightly. Everybody knows that the Omicron, dun-dun-dun, sounds like a Transformer, um, is a complete lie. Uh, Fauci came out the other day in front of the press, criminal press, and basically told everybody whether you're jabbed or not, you better wear a mask inside or else. Um, Things are getting worse, of course, in uh, Australia. That's putting it mildly. And countless countries in Europe, including Germany and Austria, looking at jabbing everybody, no matter what. Uh, Germany just put their citizens who are unjabbed on permanent lockdown, apparently. Don't know how that's going to work or how that can possibly be enforced. And for the love of God, have we learned nothing from history, ladies and gentlemen? But I wanted to read this particular article because it's making the rounds. And I haven't heard anybody read it out loud. And I wanted to do this uh, wonderful South African doctor some justice here by reading her, her commentary here that was published either in a local newspaper where she lives or somewhere. But this is a commentary from Dr. Angelique uh, Kotze, if I'm saying her last name right, C-O-E-T-Z-E-E. And uh, she's calling out all of this nonsense with South Africa and COVID and the jabs and how all of these variants are a lie and how South Africa is being blamed uh, falsely yeah, for a variety of reasons, by the powers that be, just to justify uh, scaring as many people as humanly possible who are still dumb enough to actually believe any of this. So I'm going to read her commentary. Bear with me here. So here we go. It says, quote, 
as chair of the South African Medical Association and a GP of 33 years standing. I've seen a lot over my medical, my medical career, but nothing has prepared me for the extraordinarily global reaction that met my announcement this week that I had seen a young man in my surgery who had a case of COVID that turned out to be the Omicron variant. This version of the virus uh, had been circulating in southern Africa for some time, having been previously identified in Botswana, but given my public-facing role by announcing its presence in my own patient, I unwittingly brought it to global attention. Quite simply, I have been stunned at the response, and especially from Britain. And let me be clear, nothing I have seen about this new variant warrants the extreme action the UK government has taken in response to it. No one here in South Africa is known to have been hospitalized with the Omicron variant, nor is anyone here believed to have fallen seriously ill with it. Yet, Britain and other European nations have reacted with heavy travel restrictions on flights from across southern Africa as well as imposing tighter rules at homes on mask wearing, fines, and extended quarantines. The simple truth is, we don't know yet anywhere near enough about Omicron to make such a judgment or to impose such policies. In South Africa, we've retained a sense of perspective. We've had no new regulations or talk of lockdowns because we're waiting to see what the variant actually means. We've also become accustomed here to new COVID variants emerging. So when our scientists confirmed the discovery of yet another, nobody made a huge thing of it, be uh, Yeah, period. Many people didn't even notice. But after Britain heard about it, the global picture started to change. Even as our scientists tried to point out the huge gaps in the world's knowledge about this variant, European nations immediately and unilaterally banned travel from this part of the world. Our government was understandably angry by this, pointing out that excellent science should be applauded, not punished. If, as some evidence suggests, Omicron turns out to be a fast-spreading virus with mostly mild symptoms for the majority of the people who catch it, that would be a useful step on the road to herd immunity. We'll learn in the next two weeks if that's the case. The worst situation, of course, would be a fast-spreading virus with severe infection, but that's not where we are at the moment. Here in South Africa, what I and my GP colleagues are seeing doesn't in any way warrant the knee-jerk reaction we've seen from the UK. For one thing, we're not, at least for now, treating patients who are severely ill. Take my first Omicron case, the young man I mentioned earlier. It didn't occur to him that he had COVID. He thought he'd had too much sun after working outside. After he tested positive, so did his wife and four-month-old baby. So far, the patients who've tested positive for Omicron here have been mainly young men, a mixture of vaccinated and unvaccinated, though in our statistics, unvaccinated can also mean single vaccinated. Unvaccinated also means single vaccinated? Wow, that's jacked up. But I guess that's occurring lots of places. Because again, if you haven't had your third dose, then you're not vaccinated. Okay, sorry. It continues. Only yesterday, I saw five more patients who had tested positive for the new variant. They all had a very mild illness. So at the moment, 
I'm afraid it seems to me that Britain is merely hyping up the alarm about this variant unnecessarily. Yes, the picture might one day look different. I have yet to see older, unvaccinated people infected with the new variant, for example, and they might well present with a more severe form of the disease. But the reality is that COVID is something we have to learn to live with. Look after yourself and get your vaccines. Above all, don't panic, and that goes for governments as well. Unquote. Okay. I take issue with this article for the most obvious reasons you can probably imagine. Number one, no, don't take the vaccines. I can't believe she actually said that at the end. She actually said that. Look after yourself and get your vaccines. No. The answer to that's no. Number two, the only people who are getting ill are the jabbed and the unjabbed who are, ra- who are around the jabbed. I've covered this at length. That's how transmission works. The jabbed transmit electromagnetically their ill immune system onto healthy individuals. That's the way that that works. Shedding is what it's referred to as, or um, transmission, whatever, whatever word, again, you want to use. That's what all of that is. So, again, this business of these different variants is a lie. The only thing that they're seeing, because the tests don't work and they don't test for anything, the only thing that they're seeing is the jabbed becoming ill or the unjabbed getting sick because they are around the jabbed. So it's certainly worth noting, I think, just in summary and wrapping up the jab stuff, is that even these well-intended medical doctors are commenting again on the media hype and, and what have you. And that's great, and I'm glad that they are. But she doesn't know what's going on here. She clearly doesn't get it. She doesn't see the bigger picture. It's like, again, not to twist the knife anymore, but it's like Dr. Simone Gold from America's Frontline Doctors. With every single tweet she makes, why is this happening, she'll say. Why is this happening? Why is this If you're asking the question why at this stage of the game, you're not awake yet. That's all. So stop saying why. You... uh, Unless you're really asking for an answer from other people, in which case we'll tell you, and we've we've said it a million times. But um, for them to again for this particular doctor to to make mention that we need to take the vaccines, that right there should show everybody the disconnect. Regardless again of of how well intended she is, that's a that's a huge huge mistake on her part. So here's what I wanted to end with. I wanted to uh, end on a on a bit of a higher note because again one of the one of the great things that is happening here throughout this entire time and it needs to consistently be mentioned is the business of homeschooling. Homeschooling numbers again are dramatically increasing and rightfully so and it shouldn't shock anybody. Here's what I want to do though. For anybody who's on the fence regarding homeschooling and believe me, I know that it is a giant spectrum with lots of notches in that spectrum that have different scenarios for different people. They have um, different needs, different circumstances. I I fully get it. I just want to run through an example of a homeschooling mentality or a homeschooling day for someone who, again, is on the fence about it or is worried that it won't work out or, more specifically, which I'm going to mention here, 
is that they're afraid that their child being left alone is going to be a bad thing. My, my tip would be this. If your child is of fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and older grade level, and they are not um, handicapped in any particular way where they need constant uh, monitoring or attention, then this is going to apply to you. For those where, again, that is the that is the circumstance, um, you know, where where more needs need to be met, so to speak. This this might not be for you. Um, in fact, it probably just won't be. But stay with me on this for a minute, and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna rock through a a general day. First and foremost, I don't have children, but if I did. I would be the parent who would tell the truth to my children all of the time. I'd be that dad. That's the dad I'd be. Dad, what's that thing up in the sky? It doesn't look like a cloud. Son, that's a chemtrail. I mean, I would be that I would be that dad and I would tell them exactly what it is and why it's happening and all of that. That of course requires constant learning on the part of the parent, which again is a habit. That's something that the that the parent has to engage in on a day in and day out basis because again, not to get off the rails here, but um, our job at, as a citizen on Earth and in our country is to be a well informed citizen. That's our number one responsibility to be well informed because really what we're seeing here is the divide between the ill informed and the well informed. Those that have believed things that are not real, like, again, all of us have been guilty of in the past, and then those of us who have woken up and are continuously learning as much as we can within the span of a day. And sometimes I go to bed, I swear, and I just say to myself, damn it, I didn't learn all I could have learned today. But there's just not enough time in the day. So when it comes to a homeschooling student, again, whether it be one or two or more children that that a family might have. Instilling the truth and responsibility in your children is a, is, is a massive hallmark of human development. It has to happen all of the time. All of the time. They need to learn to take care of themselves, dress themselves, feed themselves, learn how to do that in the confines of one's own home. Because as I've said in the past, your home is your castle. If your children don't know how to operate within your own castle, then that responsibility and fault lies with the parent. Again, don't want to sound harsh on it. I'm just saying that's the parent's fault. Number two, I would say this. Once that's instilled, what you are really instilling in in your children is self-reliance and independence on an individual level. They can do things on their own. Routine-based activities. They wake up, they make their bed, they brush their teeth, uh, whatever they do in the morning, and then they eat. This is where I want to get into the specifics of what can actually happen during a school, uh, a quote-unquote school day in a home environment. And it's just one of a gazillion examples. So again, just bear with me on this for a minute. If a child wakes up who is of the ages that I said, they can certainly stay home. You, of course, have to tell them what to do, and you don't ask them, and you don't plead with them. Would you please do this, okay? And then end it with a question. You tell them what to do. We are going to go to work. 
your mother and I, your, your, your father and I, whatever, we're going to go to work on a day in and day out basis. You're going to treat school and learning on your own, like, a, like your job. You're going to wake up, make your bed, brush your teeth, eat food, eat breakfast, get dressed, and then you're going to plop yourself down and you're going to go through your work as you need to. You have to teach the child to use a computer, not Google, but the real search engines like StartPage and, and uh, DuckDuckGo and Swiss Cows. And then, of course, make sure that you turn off the, the search option that makes it limited or moderate or whatever. You have to turn that little, that, that little button off so that they can search the real answers to their questions that they have. For example, how do I spell this? They can even use a cell phone, of course, to do that. And again, if they're staying at home, they should probably have a cell phone so that they can contact their, their parents anytime that they want while their parent well, you know, if both parents are at work. Assuming that the parents work outside of the home, that is. Um, and then again, you teach these things to your child, how to how to search up information. So when a when a when a child is looking at a piece of schoolwork and they're saying, I don't know what this means, or or what is this, or whatever. They know how to search for the answer by thinking about it for a while and then again bouncing around the internet and reading particular things that will eventually lead them to the answer. Because theoretically, that's really no different than what happens in a classroom. When, you know, if a textbook exists in a classroom and a teacher looks at the student and says, um, look up the answer in a textbook, it's going to take you a little longer to find it in a textbook. But the answer is still going to be there, hopefully, assuming that they're telling the truth and that it's not, you know, propaganda. But it, it will take them less time on a computer and on the Internet. They're going to learn more about said subject because then they can even go to a page like BitChute and they can type in a question or type in a few words. And what they will do is, is they'll start to learn what the algorithms are doing regarding the word usage and the theme usage that gets used. Because again, you can type in certain words one place and then type them in another place and you're not going to get the same answer. That right there won't be overwhelming for the child. It should, it should pique their interest on a deeper level. Why is it that I'm searching for this and it's this way as opposed to searching it over here and it's this way? So I'm getting into the weeds here a little bit on instruction, but the point is, is that the parent has to teach the child these things because what you're really doing, as I've said in the past, is you're raising an adult. You're not raising a child. You're raising a young person to be an adult and think like an adult. Um, again, heaven forbid a child spend some time during the course of their online schoolwork, and again, whether it be a Becca.com or CalvertEducation.com, which I've mentioned on a regular basis, and I throw in the description of my, uh, my BitChute channel videos on a regular basis as well, not a paid spokesperson for them, but wouldn't mind being, um, heaven forbid they read Telegram. Heaven forbid they actually become and remain a well-informed citizen by getting on certain Telegram channels like COVID vaccine injuries or finding another telegram channel that's relevant to what it is that they're learning about. These exist. They exist on Gab also. There are homeschooling groups on Gab. Lots of history on Gab. Lots of real science, not the fake stuff on Gab. Again, those are the kinds of things that 
that a child can do if the child is staying at home. And you're again, you're you're teaching them to to sort of get lost in their own mind in a good way, so that they can start to explore particular things and they can start to, um, you know. Uh, I don't mean that in the leftist way, like, uh, you know, exploring perversions. That's not what I mean. And of course, there are ways, again, to moderate what, what they can search for on the internet regarding all of that. And hopefully, the parent is involved in all of that. Um, but again, once their work is done, my recommendation, too, would be to have your child reading a book that doesn't have anything to do with the quote-unquote schoolwork. My recommendation, too, is to make the book nonfiction. I, I would lean students away from reading fiction. Um, I understand that it's one of those things that, that typically happens with youth, but that's also one of the major drivers behind people being categorized as non-readers or not being interested in reading. It's because they're not reading about real things. They're reading about fake stuff, and there's no connection to the real world with fake stuff. So... Uh, you know, I mean, you're not going to sit an elementary kid down and have him read 1984. You want a high school, you know, you want a high school student to read 1984, go for it. Go for it. Because they have more experiences, they've seen more by that time, and it'll make more sense to them, in particular with what's going on now. But, you know, handing that to a fifth grader or a sixth grader, it's probably a little bit too much. Um, and that's, again, putting it mildly. Uh, but again, having them read a book that is not school-related, quote-unquote, or part of the uh, homeschooling curriculum that's being used is a great idea because it will be a book of their choosing, hopefully, something that they can discuss with the parents, and I'm going to get to that piece in a minute. Um, and then again, while they're, while they're doing their regular schoolwork and they're maybe spending some time each day reading a particular book, heaven forbid they read the Bible every single day, that would be great also, um, you know, let them go for a walk. If they're old enough and, and you live in a safe neighborhood, um, again, I'm sure a lot of people are yelling right now, hearing that and going, hell no, I would never do that to my kid. That's fine. They don't have to do that. There are endless exercise programs that exist on the internet, both for free and or paid. Um, you know, if you have a, a basketball hoop in the driveway or, uh, you know, a yard where they can do something, uh, walk the dog, what, whatever it may be. You don't need physical education in the form of gym class where you're getting yelled at and a towel snapped on your ass, uh, you know, on a day in and day out basis to actually learn the principles of physical well-being. You, you can just learn about it and then just do it on your own time like most of us normals do. Uh, having said that again, maybe they want to go back to their book once they're done exercising. Maybe they want to take a shower. Before you know it, the school day's over. The quote-unquote school day is over, but it's not considered a school day. They're just learning. That's all. They're just learning. Now, here's the key point, and this is the part that has got to happen, and it's the part that doesn't happen in lots of homes, whether they homeschool or not. When the parents come home from work, they have to take that time as parents to ask the child, in the child's learning environment, wherever that may be, if there's a particular desk that's set up with a computer or they're doing whatever they're doing, have them show the child, have the child show the parents what it is that the child did that day and learned that day, subject by subject. This might take a half hour, might take less, might take more. 
Who cares? The point is, is that the time that, that is being taken for the child to explain what it is that they learned to the parent is the final stage of making your way to knowledge. That's where the child is taking the responsibility of what it is that they learned and now they're teaching it to their parent, so to speak. But that's a day. And why on earth can't that happen on a day-in and day-out basis, on a constant basis? It's not that they need babysitters. It's not that they need daycare. It's not that they need to attend an American K-12 public school. We can evolve to the sense where we are teaching our young Americans and wherever you live listening to this, we can teach young citizens to be well-informed citizens as individuals. That's my point. So again, is K-12 school in the future going to be for everybody? Of course not, because K-12 schools right now aren't for everybody. I've been over this in the past. The brightest students are the ones that don't attend those schools. They are doing what I just said, what I just laid out here. And is it something that you would have to, again, organize as parents behind the scenes before you even address it with your child? Absolutely. This would all have to be set up. It would have to be organized, written down. And then, again, heaven forbid, you sit your children down or your child down and you say, okay, we would like to propose this to you. We're trying to raise you as, uh, to, to be an adult, to be a self-reliant human being. Um, here's, here's, here's our proposal. What do you think? I'm going to tell you something. I think 8 out of 10 to 9 out of 10 students would take that opportunity. Because at face value, the first thing they're going to think to themselves is, you mean I don't have to wake up super early and go to this building where I have to wear a mask or where I don't have to wear a mask, but where I might get punched in the back of the head or not, or feel like I have to be a part of an unnecessary group or assimilate or conform or whatever. Most students, again, would say to themselves, awesome. Awesome. My parents think that I am responsible enough to do this on my own. Now I need to show them that I am responsible enough to do this on my own. That's a great thing. Again, it does not mean that the child can't ask questions. It doesn't mean that the child can't get online and ask questions. Most homeschooling online operations, which are remarkably successful and incredibly well-reviewed, that's why they exist. They exist so that the child can get on there and ask whatever, they question, whatever question they want whenever they want. So I'm going to stop it there. My point is, is that if it's well organized, up front, by the parents first, behind the scenes, and then introduced to the child as a healthy alternative and something that the child can get in a groove and get in a learning groove where they just get in a, in a healthy habit on a day-in and day-out basis, what you're going to find, I believe, is the following. My last point here. You're going to find that the child is going to love learning because they're going to realize that learning is not, does not have to be associated with quote-unquote school or a bell or a classroom or a group of people or whatever. Learning is a life skill, and learning is something that the child can do on their own and should do on their own for their whole lives. 
why not instill that in them as young as humanly possible? With that said, ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend, and I'll catch you on Monday. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.